Uh, please make sure you're connected to our Facebook page and our Instagram. Lots of activity is going to be going on there in the coming weeks. So something that's fun, even tomorrow morning beginning at 10 a.m., uh, we're going to be offering a live kind of fresh bread moment. Uh, that's a moment where somebody, one of our leaders or one of our friends here at Serve, is going to share something that God is teaching them. So that's kind of what they're receiving from God, and the fresh bread is to offer that to others. And so it's a great opportunity to go on live stream uh, to see what they're sharing. So they're not going to have lots of planning in it. It's just going to be their time with the Lord. Uh, but you can comment and post and interact there, and it's just a great way to be learning with someone else. So make sure you're connected to our Facebook page and Instagram as well. Other ways that we're connecting community in this season uh, is we still have our disciple-making huddles and our open houses or small groups. They're still up and running. Now, they're going to be done virtually, um, so it looks a little different. But if you are wanting to get connected, please email me. My email is morgan at servecc.org. should be coming across the screen and or on the Facebook thread. Send me an email and say, I'd like to meet with some people, uh, and we will get you connected. Another way we are connecting is parents. Parents in the room, uh, you hopefully received, actually you should have received this past Friday, uh, an email from our Kids Community Director, my wife Carissa, uh, a resource from Orange. So what they would have been doing this Sunday morning in their class together, those videos and those activities were sent to you. Uh, we are bummed that the kids are not running around in physical space with each other, but we're also thankful that uh, parents, you can continue to intentionally engage and help your children in their spiritual journey. We've said this for the last two years that we deeply believe that parents are the primary disciplers and disciple makers of their children. And so this is an opportunity for you to host your own service and intentionally gauge them. So whether that's later today, whether it's another time this week, uh, check out those videos, watch them together, engage in the activities, and it's really exciting. Carissa and I and the boys and Belle did this last night. We had a blast, and so they are there for you. And if you're streaming and you didn't receive that email or you haven't connected in our community in a while, uh, please just type that in to let us know, and we can get that link into your hands once more so that you too can be resourced. Finally, uh, one thing that we're offering uh, right after this service is a, a Zoom conference call, just a roundtable discussion. So again, some of us are missing each other. We'd love to see each other. So hop onto Zoom, go to zoom.us, and create your own free profile there. What's fun is you can actually host your own Zoom rooms, but for this one, right after service, I'll be hosting a Zoom room where all you have to do is click the link, I'll send out my personal Zoom link, and you'll be able to uh, jump on board with us. And we're just going to be able to talk. We're going to be able to share some prayer requests. You're going to get to be known. Maybe I said something that you want to wrestle more deeply with, but for 30 minutes after this service, we will be on our Zoom conference call together. We're excited about that and hoping you'll join us there. All right, lots going on. Let me pray as we dive into the message together this morning. God, we do proclaim that you are powerful, that you are sovereign, that you are consistent when everything feels sideways and upside down. Uh, Lord, lots of us feel that way. And so I pray that you would bless this time, that you would fill us up with your joy and your mercies, and that we get to hear from you this morning uh, in, in an intimate and meaningful way. And so we open to you and your spirit's very real present in our lives. We pray this in your name. So we know that the whole creation has been growing as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. These words penned by Paul from Romans chapter 8 it is very timely for us, right? We know that it's not an understatement right now to say that we're living in some unprecedented times that the world is groaning. 
And, and honestly, for lots of us, it's quite shocking that a virus over 7,000 miles away in the Wuhan province of China would be directly affecting our lives so deeply. Uh, we do live in a very interconnected global world, and amidst that, it's mostly, there's tons of strengths in that, right? There are tons of ways that our global connections are, are a beautiful thing, and yet right now we're kind of at a moment where we're face-to-face -face with that interconnected reality, increasing the fragility, right? Where something so far away can affect us so deeply. So this is our first uh, streaming live only service. We always stream live on Sundays, but it's the first time we've had to gather decentralized in this way. And so my hope this morning is to provide a lot of encouragement as we step into a lot of unknowns, things that we just don't know. So here's where we're headed. For those of you who like the roadmap, we've got three basic moves this morning that we want to make. First, without dipping into the hysteria, I really believe it's important for us to kind of move, make that move from denial to acceptance. Like this, this is a huge, huge deal, how disruptive it has been, how disruptive it will probably continue to be. I really believe, uh, similar to a pre-9-11 world and a post-9-11 world, that history books of the future or, you know, whatever uh, global or new ways of doing history books, uh, telegrams, whatever it is, uh, they will mark this moment. Like they will mark a new, new statement of history, all right? So I believe that. So let's move from denial to acceptance. The second move is how do we move from fear to faith? Like how do we move from fear to faith? Because as we catch the scope, the default setting of most of our lives is to move towards fear or anxiety or worry. And so what is the real pathway forward? We're going to engage a story from the life of Jesus that will help us to navigate there. And then finally, what does God want to do in us and through us, through our city, as we love God and love our neighbors really well? I believe God has some powerful steps and some practical steps that God is going to lead us into. So we'll unpack those. All right. Does that sound good? So here we go. Let's first take a moment to catch some of the scope. So we know the pace of information, the rapid speed of things that are happening. You know, in my short life of 35 years, we've rarely, if ever, seen something like that. So it means as I share a few things, we won't stand here, we won't stay here too, super long, but as I share a few things, uh, that means next week we might have a totally different discussion, all right? That's the reality that we've seen this past week. But a, a few bird's eye thoughts, I think, are helpful. So currently, uh, the global crisis sits at 314,000 or more cases right now that we know of people having COVID-19. Uh, those global deaths have been, they're more than now 13,000, roughly 13,500. Again, they're growing each day. And they are now in 177 different countries that we know of. There are some glimmers of hope, right? In China and in South Korea, it's possible that, that we have seen uh, the crisis hit their peak. So they're not seeing exponentially growth in the number of cases. So that's a good thing. Um, and they're starting to see it maybe peak out and, and then there's the hope of it dying down. So that's a good thing. Uh, Europe now with that, China is no longer the epicenter. It is now in Europe. And so Italy, Spain, France, and Belgium are all currently on complete lockdown. Now, again, I'm not trying to spread hysteria here. I'm just trying to say, look, uh, when entire countries close down all flights and, and restrict any bo uh, border movement, this is costing trillions of dollars. Um, and, and so governments don't do those sorts of things unless there's something uh, that would compel them to do so. All right. So that's some of the global perspective here in the U.S., a little bit more closer to home. 
We know that the total cases are now sitting above 25,000. People have been found to have contracted COVID-19, and we've seen 323 deaths. Uh, in the state of Washington, there's 94. In the state of New York, 70. Those are kind of the leading states who have been super uh, hit pretty hard. Uh, the first case was reported back in January 21st, so we're two months out. And where we're at right now is the virus is continuing to spread exponentially, right? So we are finding more and more cases. We have not hit the top of that peak, unlike China and South Korea that, that actually hopefully have, unless there's like another outbreak, right? Um, so with that, the government is doing all sorts of things. Uh, they're even projecting a year and 18 months and, and the potentials of multiple waves. Again, we don't really know all that's, that's going to happen, right? Lots of people are trying to think through this. It's very challenging. Um, this is not only something that's hitting elderly people. Uh, one of the more recent things, 40% of hospitalized patients are between the ages of 20 and 54. Um, so and that means, and they're in the hospital for it, right? So that's a pretty strong, important thing. Um, and then we know very acutely, uh, Kansas City restaurants have been closed down other than some takeout. Uh, schools have been shut down. Many people's jobs have been lost or will dramatically shift. Uh, people are learning how to juggle kids at home. I know we are personally in that boat figuring that stuff out. There's a lot of disruption. And so some of us feel this very acutely. Some of us don't feel it as acutely. Uh, but we want to know COVID-19, for the most part, it is thankfully not life-threatening to most people. Um, however, to those who are the most vulnerable, it is. Um, and I'm reminded of Romans 14 that talks about those who are strong ought to be mindful of the most vulnerable. That there's actually a way that we live in love by saying, wow, like even though I might be okay if I were to contract it, somebody else might not be. Um, you know, for us, Chris and I, it's, it's, it's kind of close to home in the sense that, you know, my father-in-law or Chris's dad has Parkinson's. So he's in some of that category of just people, hey, he, he would be more vulnerable if he were to contract it. Um, and so we want to hear that, we want to know that, and we want to be able to respond in ways that are meaningful. And here, if you're in Kansas City, if you haven't heard, uh, you know, beginning Tuesday, uh, basically most of the counties have come together and say there's a complete lockdown for the next 30 days. And so when I read that this morning, I don't want to spew these stuff out generally, like I felt myself with a little bit extra anxiety. Right? Like I felt that I was like, man, I can't believe there's a 30 day lockdown for all non-essential stuff. Uh, and that, that started to hit me a little bit at home. So here's what we want to do is pause and catch a little bit of that pain, pain point, right? And pause and catch a little bit of the groaning that we're seeing ourselves because amidst that, then there's an actual pathway from fear to faith. Like if we know there's stuff going on, how do we act in fear, act in faith instead of fear. So if you've got a Bible at home, pull that out, go to Matthew chapter 14. If you don't have a hard copy, I'd encourage you uh, scroll, open up a search engine and go to BibleGateway.com. Um, you can go to the Version Bible app. There's lots of ways to pull that out, but go to Matthew 14. Uh, Matthew was one of the 12 closest disciples of Jesus. So as Jesus invited people into his life and was traveling around Israel, um, he picked 12 guys to, to really go with him day to day. And so Matthew was one of those 12, he wrote down many of the stories of Jesus's life. And so in Matthew chapter 14, we're going to engage a story together. At this point in their kind of journeys together, they had been following Jesus for at least a year, probably even closer to two years. So Matthew and his buddies that have been walking with Jesus kind of get the idea of how wild it is to follow this Jesus who's teaching crowds and healing people and feeding others and uh, investing very deeply into their lives. So Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 22. Here's what we read there. It says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. 
After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So the setup of the story, Jesus dismisses a crowd. He's been teaching. He's been doing all this stuff with them. And he finally says, okay, you need to go. He turns to his 12 and says, hey, grab in a boat. You need to start heading over the lake. We've got somewhere else to go. And they were used to this, right? Jesus would regularly kind of, hey, let's go to the next thing. But in the midst of that, he says, look, I need some space. (laughs) I need some time. And we use the language very often at serve. We see in this moment that Jesus is connecting upward with the Father. We believe that every person is on a spiritual journey and that we are wired to connect upwards with God. We are wired also connect inwards with other people who are engaging their spiritual journey and that there is a mission that we are made to go outwards into the world, journeying with Jesus and each other to love and heal, to bless and receive healing ourselves. And so in this moment, Jesus is really posturing in that upward connection with the Father. He's praying and listening. And as he's doing that, a huge storm hits uh, along the lake. Uh, And what you should know about the disciples, at least four out of those 12 were expert fishermen. So that means if they're stuck in this lake and it's going on for hours in the middle of the night, we have a big problem, right? They're not ignorant people who don't know what they're doing. They have four expert fishermen and they are absolutely stuck. We have a big problem. So as the story continues in verse 25, It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And it's really here we need to pause the story because Jesus' words are extremely timely for us. However, this COVID-19 is hitting you personally with all the global fragility that's going on. All of us are experiencing this in some various way. And so these are timely words. What we need to know is that the circumstances that the disciples were experiencing, that's the source of their fear. Okay, so they are afraid for their lives. They are stuck in a storm. They've got wind and waves. On top of that, Jesus starts walking on water in the middle of the night. They think it's a ghost. Not a bad explanation. I don't know if you've ever seen anyone walking on water. I I bet you haven't. Uh, And especially in the middle of the night. Yeah, that sounds terrifying. Okay, so all the circumstances, all the factors that they cannot fix or change, that is what is hooking them with fear. And that's what we're confronted with as well. Uh, you know, roughly, I've heard some estimates that for Westerners, roughly f- the things that they think they control, that we think we control, the actuality is about only 15% of those things. <laughs> so oftentimes we think we're in control of far more than we actually are. And so it's in this that we see a pathway from fear to faith. We have these uncontrollable circumstances. And what Jesus begins to open up is two primary ways of moving from fear to faith. It's actually his presence and it's his voice that make a way for faith. So he walks out to them and yeah, it's kind of terrifying at the moment, right? They don't know it's him. So so they've got to be talked down a little bit there. But then he speaks to them and it's his voice. Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And so Jesus points to his very real presence and his very real voice in that moment, that their courage is only going to happen, right? The only way they're going to have faith and courage is if they root themselves in his presence and in his voice. Uh, Earlier this week, I was in a webinar with a pastor from Sierra Leone. 
He was doing some significant work in the Ebola virus outbreak of 2014 and 16. It went across six countries of Africa, of Western Africa. And during that time, over 28,000 cases of Ebola uh, occurred and 11,000, more than 11,000 resulted in death. So this was a very high rate, around 40% of people dying from the Ebola virus. And obviously, uh, it was scary, right? And fear was rampant. So on this call, he's kind of coaching a lot of leaders and pastors and to say, you know, how do we engage in times of crisis? And one of the many nuggets that he gave was, first, he reminded that the most frequent command in all of Scripture is some variation of do not be afraid, the very thing Jesus says here. It's actually given 365 times, so he kind of jokingly but seriously said, look, you need to be intentional about taking your daily dose or your daily pill of courage. Like every day when there's a time of crisis, we're going to need to speak truth and, and love and, and faith towards ourselves because Jesus here is saying, do not fear. Fear. But the reality moment when Jesus says this, notice, has anything of the circumstances changed? The answer is no, like they haven't. The storm has not changed. The wind and waves are still raging. The, the disciples are rowing for their lives. And emotionally, obviously in the moment, they're still triggered, right? Like they don't know. I mean, they're, they're even trying to digest that Jesus is saying that I'm not a ghost, that it's their dear friend walking on water. So other than Jesus being present, nothing else has changed. And so I believe what we see in this is that oftentimes the storms of life do not recede immediately. And yet Jesus comes right into the middle of them. He comes right into the epicenter of them, if you will. And he begins to proclaim his very real presence and his very real voice that although the circumstances have not yet changed, it's only changed because he is then in the middle of it. So one of the first big ticket items for moving from fear to faith that we need to hear clearly is really the posture of attention. What will we direct our attention towards? Because Jesus is saying to all of us in this, world, in this moment, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And one of the early Christian followers, Paul, who, who wrote numerous letters in the New Testament, he uses the language, he says, take captive every thought to Christ. So there's a very real pathway that we can say, look, when we follow Jesus, Jesus says that he actually gives his spirit to us. He actually begins to dwell in us and with us and that we can learn how to take our attitudes, our mindsets, our attentions, our heart postures, and we can learn how to trust his voice instead of the other voices that are in our heads. Our attention is at a big risk right now. How often will we scroll to get the latest news or not? Or to say, set aside and to say, look, what voices am I taking in? Jesus says, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now, in this moment, the scene shifts. Verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And this is an amazing response, right? The circumstances don't seem to merit this, right? But it is something in Jesus' presence it's something in his voice that gives Peter courage, right? For at least the moment, the fear has subsided for Peter. It's faded into the background. Even though those circumstances are still there, Peter is leaning in and says, look, I'll even come out to you if it's really you. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. 
Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now, notice, there's some kind of back and forth in the person of Peter. It's this back and forth between these moments of fear and these moments of faith. Uh, I would love for us to understand that word faith is really trust. Okay, it's simply trust. As I'm sitting in my chair, I know because of past experience, I know because it's built well, I can trust that I'm sitting and I'm not just going to fall, right? So faith, when you put your faith in something, it's simply how you're trusting. So what you trust in someone or in something. And Peter in this moment is trusting that Jesus is actually present, that he's actually speaking to him. And so in this moment, Jesus says, come and Peter says, I'll do it. He gets out of the boat and at least for a moment, he is walking on water. Uh, Many of you know, I'm from Southern California originally. I like to say I'm a surfer, but I've realized now after five and a half years in Kansas City, I have to say I used to be a surfer, okay? So I'm not anymore. But man, every time I read this story, I'm just reminded like, wow. How amazing would it have been to have the rush of walking on water towards Jesus, even if for just a moment. So that taps into my kind of surfer background. But as he starts walking, guess what he does? He redirects his tension. And he's hooked, again, by the storms of life, the stor- the very real storm in that exact moment. And so he begins to sink, and he cries out for help, and Jesus moves in to immediately, if you note that word immediately, Jesus rescues him. And again, hopefully we can resonate with the person of Peter here. How often do we waffle back and forth between moments of fear And then honest moments of faith, of trust in Jesus, where we are looking at him, where we are listening to him, and and we are arrested in him, and we are saying, yeah, like I really believe in you, Jesus. But all of a sudden, we take a look back at the circumstances, and it really in those moments seems impossible not to be afraid. Again, maybe you are personally feeling stuck in a place of fear and anxiety right now. Like you look at the many unknowns and different thoughts are running through your heads. Things like simply, what if these lockdowns and social distancing keeps school shut down for all next year? I mean, we know even just in the next month, we're basic on, on lockdown. How do I go to work with my kids at home? Maybe there are thoughts of my job is in personal retail stores and this does not look good. How am I going to find a new job? Some of us are are thinking through, man, I have employees, like I love them, I care for them, I want to invest in them. I don't know how to pay those bills. I don't know how to keep people employed during this season. What in the world do I do? Some of us are thinking, I am personally vulnerable, or I have a friend or a family member who's personally vulnerable, and I just have this heightened sense of kind of the daily anxiety as I'm walking around and figuring out what to do next. How am I supposed to engage that? And so we know that there can be these fluctuating moments between trust and fear. And so we see that in the person of Peter, and we see that amidst that waffling, we see Jesus step in to rescue. I don't think Jesus is shaming him at all. He says, take courage at his eye. Do not be afraid. He's not giving a false hope or promise. He is being uh, very straightforward with Peter. And so Peter comes out to him. He takes a great risk. He moves in boldness and in courage. And when he falters, Jesus doesn't shame him. He immediately rescues him. He gets him onto the boat, and yes, he also teaches him to say, why did you doubt in this moment? And in the conclusion of the story, verse 32, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And so the chaos of the moment does finally halt in this story. 
Things do die down, and they begin to reflect on that moment. What it leads the disciples to is worship. It leads these apprentices to a new awareness of who Jesus is. They proclaim in this moment, it says they worship by saying that he is the Son of God. It is this kingly title. It refers back to the Davidic line that was supposed to be unbroken, that Jesus actually comes in to restore. It proclaims that Jesus is the Messiah in this moment. And what we see in this moment is that worship is about naming who Jesus is. Like that's the act of worship. And it acknowledge, it, worship happens when we acknowledge and when we speak truthfully. So this is another pathway from fear to faith is anytime we are speaking truth. When we are gripped with fear, one of the very real practices we have to kind of guard and hold on to, maybe even in a more intentional way, is truth-telling. And this truth-telling is not like the finger-wagging, social media blasting of other people that we find so common in other people, and uh, sometimes even in ourselves, sadly. Uh, it's rather truth-telling where we remind our own hearts, where we remind our own minds of actual truth. And so anytime we choose to begin the morning, let's say, for example, not immediately engaging the scroll and the latest news on the coronavirus, but instead when we open up the scriptures to a psalm, or we open up a story to the life of Jesus, we start to take in truth to our hearts and our minds. And anytime, for example, we choose, some of us love to journal. Uh, when we sit with the Lord, uh, we'll journal and things like gratitudes, right? So when things are unknown, when, when it's easy to put our attention towards negative or challenging things, when we remind ourselves of the gift of who God is and what God has done in our life, whether they're relationships, whether they're gifts, whether I can be up in my office streaming this thing, God has provided for me. Anytime we name gratitudes, we are combating a scarcity mindset. And we're actually taking back the abundant provision of our Father. We're remembering that that's actually more true than what we don't have. Anytime we choose to confess in our prayers our worries, our hurts, our fears, our very real challenges, and then we ask God in the truth of that, not pretending they aren't there, but when we confess them and say, God, would you carry these burdens with me? The scriptures are clear that God's spirit even fills us anew, that he sustains us, that he helps us in those moments. Anytime we remind ourselves, if you follow Jesus, you are said to become an adopted child of the living God, and that that is who we are. And then we remind ourselves of whose we are, that we are actually belong to the Father, that our identity as beloved adopted children cannot be ripped from us. Mm -hmm. These are moments that move us out of fear and into faith, even when those other circumstances have not changed. And so here's one of the realities of this season. We don't know how long this is. What we do know is that we're going to be forced to slow down. We're becoming forced to become more local. Uh, we are being forced into a time of great self-reflection. We're going to have, some of us will have more times opened up, whether in the evenings or things that were filled with other uh, things that we were engaging. Simply, there's going to be new rhythms and patterns of our life where we choose to place our time and our attention and how we speak truth to ourselves will shape us and form us in very significant ways. And so we want to examine what are the, vo the voices of fear or patterns of fear that have been gripping us. And, and instead, what are some of those voices from Jesus here and from the Father in the scriptures that can propel us into a deeper, thriving faith? Because we need to hear Jesus' words, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. 
And then we also need to listen to the response of the men who were on that boat present with him. Look at what they say. Truly, you are the son of God. And so their voices are aligning with that voice, with that presence of rescue and security amidst all the other unknowns in that moment. So now we need to shift and and, and kind of engage our last thing for the morning. How will we respond? Like, what is God calling our spiritual family to? We need to make that final turn to say, what is God doing uniquely in our midst? And I really want to lean in here, sir, and I want to encourage you. I have a deep, deep sense that God wants to move powerfully in us and with us and through us. Like, I have a deep sense that the groaning of this world, that the groaning of Kansas City, that the very real groanings of the people where we live, where we work, where we play, and where we learn, they invite us and they beckon us. The love of God actually compels us in this season to not only be drowned in our own challenges to rise above those, but to also engage and love and serve and meet the challenges of those right around us. Jesus boiled everything down. Uh, He said the greatest commandment was to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. He said the second commandment, love our neighbor as ourselves. And he said there's no commandment greater than these. So he says love God with everything. He connects the vertical with the horizontal. We talked about that just a few weeks ago. And he gives the great commission to make disciples who make disciples. This is all of the Christian life can be bottled down into the great commandment and the great commission. And we are in a season where there's immense kingdom opportunities right in and around us to love God really, really well with our whole being and to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love people with radical acts of compassion and care. Back to that Sierra Leonean pastor. In times of crisis, he said this, in a situation like this, the enemy can use fear to stop the mission of the church, to question their faith in God, to become paralyzed in everything they do. And those are powerful words because some of us might be feeling a little paralyzed right now. And and let me tell you what's so beautiful about him and his experience was also the way that he and, and the pastors he was coaching and training in Sierra Leone were mobilizing amidst that season. Uh, One of the challenging practices at the time in many of the villages that he was serving is that when important people in a village would die from Ebola, uh, they would wash the bodies and then they were told to have to wash themselves in the water that that body was washed in. This was really spreading Ebola virus like crazy. I mean, obviously so. The virus is looking for a new host home as people jump in the same water that had been washed in this body. It was a real problem. So that pastor and many others, first and foremost, were educating their villages. They were saying, look, we've got to stop this practice. Like, this is what is spreading the virus. So they were real on the front lines there. And you know what they also did? They also said, we'll take care of the bodies. And so they did not wash them. <laughs> and they did not wash themselves in that washed water, right? They, they, they canned that practice. And yes, sadly, on occasion, some of those pastors took death onto themselves instead. They stopped much of the transmission in dozens and dozens of villages. And then they were also, sadly, uh, allowed themselves to die in place of their community. So God has so much on our table on how we can and should engage. This is not a time to walk in fear. It's actually a time to examine what is God calling us to. And so that's what I want to spend just the last few minutes together. The first tangible way I believe God is moving in our midst. We want to continue our journey as a spiritual family from something we've been talking about since the beginning of the year. Moving from consuming to contending. 
Like we know that everything in our culture is wanting us to consume. And I know some of us are going to have even more free time and we are going to need to steward that well. We can add an extra two or three hours to binge watching Netflix every night or we can lean in differently. Consuming is when we put ourselves at the center and contending is when we stretch, when we reach, when we fight for more of God's presence. Where we're saying, God, we need you to fill us up uh, in a new and profound daily sort of way. We want to challenge you in this time. So the first big challenge is examine your rhythms of what it looks like to sit with Jesus. When you are reading the scriptures, whether you pray regularly, whether you journal, whatever your spiritual practices are, I want to encourage you to up them in this time. So first takeaway is examine them. Like after this, what do I regularly do? Do I have a five minute prayer morning? Do I have a 30 minute session? Do I do something in the evenings? Do I have a regular small group? Like what are my regular rhythms? And I want to encourage you to take one new step. So maybe that's increasing from 10 minutes of prayer to 20 minutes. Maybe it's walking with us in the gospel of Matthew as a church to say, I want to immerse myself in the life of Jesus. Whatever you're currently doing, take one new step. Because as we contend in prayer, as we immerse ourselves in God on a personal level, uh, we are leaning into what Jesus modeled. Because if you missed it in this story this morning, guess what Jesus did before he was walking out on the water? He sat all night in prayer with the Father. Right? He had one of these radical times where he's connecting upward with the Father. And his next actions flow out of that reality. So we want to be a community and a people and a spiritual family that are saying, if we aren't filled up by God, we will miss this season. We will miss knowing what God wants to do in us and through us. And so I want to encourage you, pray daily that this virus would die down quickly. Like we, could, we should actually be praying for that. And would you pray for your neighbors regularly every single day because intercession is going to be key. When you pray on behalf of somebody else, that is going to be key in the weeks and the months ahead. Here are two invitations around this consume to contend. This Thursday night uh, at 8.30 p.m., we're gonna be, I'm going to be hosting another one of the Zoom call meetings to have a video, video conferencing prayer time. Uh, and it, again, it's just inviting anyone and everyone. My personal link will be sent out. Again, it's already been in the feed once. We'll send it again. It's the same link that you'll be using this uh, right after service if you join us in our uh, panel discussion afterwards. Uh, but we want to just invite you to pray with us, right? It's been really powerful. I've been on a few of these calls this week with some worship and with some prayer with others on video conferencing. It's been a joy. And so Thursday night, 8.30 p.m., hoping the kids are down by then. Uh, if you don't have kids, you're, you're freed up to come and hang with us. But just come and pray collectively. And this is an invite for everyone. So if you've got a neighbor who you think you should invite to it, invite them, send them the link. The second deeper dive is something I really believe the Lord wants for us as a spiritual family. And it's to fast the next six Fridays, beginning March 26th, this upcoming Mar uh, Friday, to the end of April, April 30th. We had already named uh, that we are going to be fasting as a church on Friday, April 10th. That's Good Friday, the Friday before Easter. Um, but we, I just sense that God wants us to be doing more, that he wants us to be leaning in because there are going to be such unique opportunities that God wants to work in us and through us during this season. And we want to pray in a radical way. And so I want to invite you, please join us in that. The call to fast on those Fridays is to refrain from breakfast and to refrain from lunch and then to break that fast with dinner uh, in, in the evening and to take that joyfully. And, and in those seasons, one of the biggest things you can do when you fast is since that's a refraining, uh, a taking away from something, you really have to fill it up with something new. So make sure you have an intentional spiritual practice, whether it's uh, doing some worship, whether it's reading some scripture or journaling, some way where you're sitting with the Lord to be filled up by him. 
If you have food restrictions, we always recommend, whether it's social media or some other form of fasting, you can engage this with us. And so I want to encourage you and challenge the whole church. What would it look like to take the next six Fridays and to fast together without stepping into prayer, without a concentrated real belief that it's that's where we access God's power and his presence and his compassion for our neighbors, I do believe we'll miss some of what God wants to do. Again, back to our Sierra Leonean friends, they would go around regularly as they engaged people at a social distance to say, how are you doing? Uh, but as they engaged those neighbors, they would regularly ask, I want you to know well, first, can I pray for anything? But two, I am praying for you already, and I'm praying specifically that this virus, Ebola virus, would not uh, be contracted in your home. What a powerful way to say, I'm thinking of you, neighbor. I'm praying that COVID-19 doesn't happen on this street, doesn't happen in your lives. So that's our first call to action. Name your spiritual rhythms and take one new step. Consider joining us for prayer this Thursday night, and would you fast for us for the next six weeks? The second call to action is really the answer to who is in your arm's reach. One of the most powerful things I believe God is wanting to do in and through us is right where we live, work, play, and learn who is already in your arm's reach that you're supposed to be loving, serving, blessing, and caring for. It's a guarantee that a lot of social, emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual needs are going to surface in this season. And I deeply believe that God wants to move in us right around us. It's not off on foreign mission fields. It's right here just in our everyday lives. And I've been really encouraged by some of the stories that are already coming out in our immediate context. Uh, moms have started to, to Facebook or, or to FaceTime and to Zoom play dates. It's going to be tough on kids to not see their friends physically. Like that is a hard reality right now. And so how can you open up inroads to connect with the people you already love that your kids already love and schedule some play dates? Uh, some of us have begun door to door, knocking on our street, handing out a simple flyer that says, hey, we're here to help. If you have any needs, whether they're medical, whether it's dropping off some groceries, let us know. Uh, we're going to establish platforms of communication where neighbors can actually get to know each other and, and say, man, uh, if somebody on our street has to be quarantined, especially if it's someone elderly who can't maybe, uh, you know, be able to take care of their own needs, there's a group of people that they know they can immediately reach out to and they can immediately get some help. And so serve, I believe God is calling all of us to consider becoming a neighborhood connector. Will you connect your neighborhood as the hands and feet of Jesus to just love and serve them? Again, I want to point you to Zoom. Please download that app uh, because what's really neat is, again, with that free account, you can host your own 40-minute Zoom chats. If you don't know how to do that or don't know where Zoom is, uh, please email me. I'd love to even train you in it. It's super easy, very simple, uh, but it's a great way to, to video conference with your neighborhood. Um, and, and that's something that all of us can do for free. You don't have to purchase anything. All right. So who is in your arm's reach? That is the primary calling in this season. Third, we've got this one and one final story to tell. Freedom Fire is on the front lines. Uh, they're one of our partners uh, in, in the urban center of our city. Um, and I asked their lead pastor who, who planted Freedom Fire over 23 years ago. Um, they are reaching those in federal housing projects, a lot of homeless families. There's a lot of really active engagement. A few of our disciple-making huddles just a couple weeks ago uh, got to partner with them at Worship Wagon, which is a service for homeless people. Now, I, I, I asked Bruce, hey, how are you no navigating social distancing and still meeting the very real needs of your community? community. And so he responded, yes, we've closed down our large gatherings. Of course, we need to do that. Uh, but when we hand out supplies, we're still maintaining that 
three to six foot uh, distance. We are wearing gloves instead. In addition, we're not shaking hands. We're doing the elbow bump thing, but they are still continuing to meet very real needs. And what it means is it tells us that we are still called to go out to still meet people in this time. We can do that through even in social distancing to love and serve our neighbors. And what we want to do, what they reached out to us for and all of their ministry partners is, would you help them assemble care packages? Uh, they have a list of seven or eight items, roughly costs about $25 to $30 to assemble a, a package. And I really want our church to take care of 40 of those. Like we're going to need people to step up. Can we take care of 40 of those bags? So if you and your family can do one bag, great. If you can do two or three bags, phenomenal. You can drop them off at my porch at our address or at the foreman's home, Caleb and Emily. If you don't have those addresses, we can get them to you. So assemble your own package. Do it with your kids if you have kids. Um, and this gives us an opportunity to really resource Freedom Fire as they are on the front lines serving these families that, that are in some real trouble. They're some of the most vulnerable. And so we just want to partner well with them and, and serve in this time. Finally, as we examine the story of Jesus walking out on water, speaking this moment of courage, and then the disciples saying, truly you're the son of God, I really want to encourage you. What does it look like in this season to consider following Jesus? What does it look like to consider surrendering your life to him as the Lord and Savior? Like amidst troubling circumstances, we are not insured of how things fall out. Instead, we are invited to follow a Jesus who says that he gave his life for the forgiveness of sins, who modeled that by actually giving his life on a cross and then rising from the dead, rising from the grave to say he has victory over sin, over sickness, over death, over everything, that he is the Lord of heaven and the Lord of earth. And so I want to encourage you, if you're streaming it and you've never made that step to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to consider making that move. I'd love to be able to talk with you more about that if that's something that you're saying, man, I'm ready to take that step of faith, to say, I want Jesus to be the leader of my life, that's what it means to make him Lord, and to say he's the Messiah, that he's the Savior of my life, that he forgives my sin and invites me back into relationship with the living God. I want to invite you to consider surrender. We're going to be having some baptisms in the coming weeks. We're going to be uh, discussing having baptism conversations, and I would love to have a conversation with you. In the meantime, I want you to hear one of the amazing stories that has come out just this past week. Uh, on Tuesday this week, uh, something profound happened right on Juniper Drive, uh, actually across the street at Tracy and Shane Dickens' home. Many of you know them real well. Um, and, and many of you know the story of their daughter, who is now one years old just this past week. And uh, many of you know that, that when she was born, that very shortly afterwards, she began to start having seizures. And so many in our spiritual family came around them, prayed for them, brought meals, surrounded this family. I mean, it's just, it, it's been an amazing testament to see how God has uh, moved in and through us around the Dickens family and how God has moved in and through young Piper's life. And uh, one of the things that happened just a couple months after, uh, as the dust started to settle, as she started to figure out new norms, is that she received an in-home nurse, somebody who had helped Piper's developmental needs over the next, uh, you know, over the last, I think it's something eight, nine, ten months or so that that's been going on. And so uh, one of those nurses, his name is Shannon, and she's been Piper's nurse over the last months. And through that season of life, Shane and Tracy have opened up so many just meaningful connection with her. They've really become fam extended family. It's been super powerful to see how Shannon loves them and how they love Shannon. And just this past Tuesday, Shannon decided it was time for her to take her faith public with Jesus and to surrender to him through baptism. So if you would, turn your attention with me to the screen as we see that moment where Shane baptizes Shannon. 
there to the sand here. trust him with all your life yes. and trust him that he has forgiven you of all your sins yes if you completely surrender to him and will walk with him in all the days of your life yes it's in this vein that in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit we baptize you What a powerful, powerful moment, right? And, and so in the coming weeks, we hope to even tell more of the story in and around Shannon and, and all that's happening. God is on the move. And so my hope for all of us is that we would hear his voice, that we would sense his presence amidst some challenging circumstances where we don't have the answers. My prayer for us is that we might hear the voice every single day, fresh and new. Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Would you pray? Thanks for checking in to the Serve Community Church podcast. If you're interested in more information on how to connect with our community, feel led to support us in any way you can or have any further questions, check us out online on social medias like Facebook or Instagram or at our website at servecc.org.